Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 397, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we'll do our best today. We're going to dazzle and entertain you because there's just, other than some, man, kind of some serious stories and some weird stuff, we'll see what's going on out there today. But before we get rolling, it all starts at the top with Greening Law. Those guys, I'm telling you, man, if you found yourself, I can't believe it's been a little over two years ago is when I had my car accident and we went through the process for a year and a half of trying to get myself right, listening to what they were saying. Any question I had, they had the answer for. It's it's a very tedious, in-depth process when you have to get these insurance companies involved and Greening Law goes to battle for you. They are the experts at this. If you find yourself with an injury to your person, Maybe you've got a case, maybe you don't. You owe it to yourself to find out because they can help you tremendously. No, and that's why if you ever find yourself in that situation, there's really only one thing you need to do. You need to pick up the phone, give them a call, 972-934-8900, and say, hey, here's my situation, what do you think? And if they bring you on as a client, then Matt will tell you, as he's told you many times, it's it's great news for you because they're going to ride for you. They're going to rock for you. They're going to tell you what's coming up. They're going to tell you what to expect. They will do all those things you want somebody in the trenches to do for you. And they lead you. That's the key. They lead you through the process. And that's why they are who they are. Um, Greening love. You've got a problem. You need to give them a call ASAP. You do. And the reason at the beginning you go, I don't know. I mean, do I have a case? It's free to find out. The consultation is free. It takes maybe 10 minutes over the phone. It's very easy and quick. So give them a call. Greening Law, 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Well, we didn't talk about this the other day, and then more and more started coming out, and the Northwestern hazing fiasco, scandal, ridiculousness has resulted on Monday afternoon of longtime head coach, Pat Fitzgerald, who originally was suspended for two weeks during a Friday afternoon news dump. Over the course of the weekend, more and more starts coming out, and lo and behold, Northwestern goes, oh, so I guess this did go out. Well, got to fire this guy now. So by Monday, they fire him. 
And the timeline on this is nuts because Northwestern tries to hide it in a Friday afternoon news dump. They had a third-party investigation into allegations of hazing in their football program. As soon as that came out, one day later, the student paper, the Daily Northwestern, runs this article where they've got a football player who says, hold on a second, way more than what they're saying happened, happened. And he details all this different stuff. Then later on Saturday in a different Northwestern newspaper, a football staffer who was not listed as a coach or a player, but was in a not, he's on the football staff, was a source for this and corroborated this football player's account saying, yeah, all that stuff happened and Coach Fitzgerald knew about it. More and more started coming out. And I mean, this whole situation, the fact that, and maybe I'm just a moron in these days, but the level to which this got to in 2023 is, is fairly surprising to me. At one level is surprising, at another level is not. But, dude, this happens every single solitary time one of these issues occurs. We all know what happened. Here's the deal. Pat Fitzgerald, a star at Northwestern, the best coach that they've had in, in, in forever, and this is all you need to know. If you think Northwestern football, you pretty much think doormat, you know, like Vanderbilt or yeah. you know, any one of those other programs. He's been there 17 years. His career record is 110 and 101. And that includes going 4 and 20 the last two years. Yes. So he's been the best coach that they've had probably no cap since Eric Parsegian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, way back in the day. So they didn't want to fire him. And I get that. Even though he's had a couple of bad years in a row. They didn't want to fire him. And so when all this came up, they're like, oh, well, Two weeks without pay in the middle of the summer. Uh, that should do it. But they know what was involved in this, man. And here's the problem, and I told you this. And then the student newspaper gets involved. They get a player who says, hey, this is what's happened. Yeah. And this player sends them pictures uh, from the locker room verifying that they had, you know, whiteboards up in the middle of the locker room saying, you know, these guys do running and these guys do other things uh, that was part of the hazing process. And what happens is, man, the cover-up is always worse than a crime. <laughs> like, and I told you this off air, but this goes for like 99% of Power 5 coaches. They go, at some point, they get paid $25,000, dollars $100,000 to go talk in corporate America about leadership and accountability and all this stuff. And then somebody like Pat Fitzgerald, Urban Meyer did the same thing. Pat Fitzgerald says, oh, I had no idea whatsoever any of this was going on in my program. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? You know what that's like, Matt? Mm. That's, like, that's like me asking, hey, Matt, they're running this drug ring, this cocaine ring out of your house. <laughs> yeah. Do you know anything about it, Officer Taylor? What? I have no knowledge. Are you telling me my lady fiance and my son have been running this multi-million dollar cocaine ring out of my house and I, I just go do the radio station and work out man i had no idea this was going on yeah and i would look at you and be like the fuck out of here man you'd be better off saying i tried to talk them out of it and they just wouldn't listen and damn it now we're all in trouble gosh because that's more believable than i had no idea what was going on yeah and, and the it, it's the two-sided sword like either way you say something you deserve to, you're the head of the snake. You deserve to have your head cut off, so to speak. 
Because if you say, I, yeah, okay, I knew some of this was going on. Well, then what the hell are you doing? You're fired. And then if you say, well, I had no idea this was going on. You're the head football coach. How did you have no idea none of this was happening? You're fired. Like right. either way, it doesn't matter. Like you, you, you're, you, you colossally screwed this. But I, I, I guess to me, how deep the hazing apparently goes in Northwestern, like in this day and age, and I look, I, I was t- talking about this yesterday on my radio show. I mean, I don't know if this still happens in high school and your, your son just got out of high school, so maybe you would know. But when I was in high school, just for like basketball, because I didn't play high school football, I played high school basketball, we had to practice in the morning. Well, if you wanted to shower after practice and you're drenched in sweat before you go to class, all of us showered in there together. We didn't have like individual stalls. Right. There was like one pole that had nozzles all around the top of it and you just had to stand. And, and yes, you'd be around naked dudes showering together. But none of us were like all of us are like staring at the ceiling, just trying to wash our bodies and get in and out as quickly as possible. Right. So I I know that, yes, and it may come as a surprise to some people who never played sports or people who don't know. I'm assuming that they're naked around each other a lot, whether it's in the shower or you got to change and all this type of stuff. And, and generally speaking, with guys, you just it's it's not that big of a deal to be naked around each other, to be honest with you, if you've played sports high school or above. But right. some of the stuff they're doing where they had like a special signal called a Shrek clap, whatever that is, and then they would know, okay, somebody needs to get hazed, and they would make the dude get naked, and then from what I understand, eight to ten upperclassmen would also be naked and dry hump this guy? Yeah, like, I don't get that. That's bullying. Like, that's sexual assault, man. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I, I wouldn't want to do the dry humping, and I wouldn't want to be the dry See, humping. See, and, and that's the thing is that obviously oh, hey this will embarrass this guy and and, and he's going to hate this well yeah but you what's the deal with eight to ten of you wanting to dry hump a guy and yeah. look i don't know i mean maybe some of them liked it whatever but i, I mean it's it's that mentality is where this just goes so far past what i thought was still going on out there because there's so much out there now about bullying and about speaking up that it's surprising to me that nobody was saying, hey, guys, you know, it's one thing to make dudes run until they puke or, or hey, you got to run 50 stairs and we're all going to sit here and laugh at you and point. But to take it to this level, I, I mean, what the, it's just, I can't wrap my my mind around that point at this day and age. Bro, it's, um, I, I'm not even being funny, man. We, we see it all the time, bro. It's the thin blue line with police officers. It's whatever happens in army where people, you know, you get this big group together and there's power in the group because nobody wants to take on the group. I mean, you know how these things go. Um, and so it, it happens and then it takes somebody, you know, who's away from the program and anonymity to really tell you what's going on. And, you know, man, it's... Um, it's uh it's disappointing and it's sad to me that uh that it's still going on and that it happens and you know then there was some uh, there were also some racial components in there and uh it just seems like a program run amok man and the funny thing is or the interesting thing is all these coaches coming out saying hey pat fitzgerald's a great guy he's a stand-up guy i can't believe he would be associated with any of this i just don't believe it da 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 well Either you didn't know what he was really all about 
or you do something similar and you don't know what the big deal is. Yeah, and that's the, that's the scary thing. I know hazing happens and there's very, there's some hazing to me and, and maybe I should adjust my mentality, but some of it like that I went through because I was, and I know people laugh every time I say this, I was in a theater fraternity in college and they hazed us in a sense of, hey, if you pass one of the people that's already a member in college and they like, they'll say fry like bacon and you have to go drop to the ground and, and shake around like you're a piece of, of bacon. Right. And then like every day for a week, they would bring what you're going to wear to that day and hang it outside your dorm room and whatever it was you had to wear. And right. I had, I was wearing, I mean, you know, just goofy, like I had to wear a spaghetti strap top one day to class, you know, like stuff like that, but nothing that right. borderline ever got anywhere near the type of stuff that they're talking about. Because like, well, it all, it all becomes at one level. And this doesn't matter whether you're talking about football hazing, fraternity, sorority hazing, theater hazing, band hazing. It crosses the line when it's, when it becomes a humiliation thing. Because a humiliation thing often leads to be a power thing. Right. And like we want control, we want power, we want to humiliate you. Um, and it, it crosses that line. There's a thin line there, but it crosses that line between we're forging a brotherhood and a camaraderie or a sisterhood and a camaraderie, which is what hazing is designed to do. We went through this together. I mean, that's why they talk about teams. In the summer, that's when we build our team. We suffer together while we're lifting weights and while we're running and while we're doing two-a-days in Texas heat to get ready for the football team. We're bonding because we're suffering together. But it's never a humiliation suffering. It's we're suffering together to get tougher, bigger, stronger, faster so that we can all succeed together. That's what hazing, I mean, that if you want hazing, that's hazing in its, in its best light. It's not this whole thing where you're trying to humiliate people and sexually assault people and just, you know, do stuff that, I mean, I don't even get why, why it's fun. See, and that, that's where it goes back to it is, okay, so you're an upperclassman on the team, you're a team leader. What is the idea? Where is the enjoyment? What is the funny haha on your, you're dry humping a naked dude? Or you're in the shower and you're make you're running by and making them rub up against you and y'all are both butt naked. Like I don't. Wh where where is the and, and again maybe some guys and that's fine. I mean some dudes enjoy that, but for me and that's what I'm saying is like I don't understand why you're telling me there's there's ten dudes on a team that are just constantly like yeah I can't wait to get naked and hump this guy. Yeah, it's just uh, you know it's the and in today's world you just it's not even worth doing, man. And that's the thing is that like, again, that's where, because these, these are 18 to 22 year old guys for the most part, they've all grown up in an era in which they are very well aware that this doesn't fly. Well, that's why it's a secret society. That's why it's a secret thing. And I get, you know, like you're talking about when you get into that level, if that, Hey, this is just kind of what we do. And I, I do think, and here's how you know that this has been going on a long time is because as guys come into the program, it, it becomes a, well, this is what happened to me, so you got to just deal with it. Right. And so it's been going on for a while. Like, hey, man, when I got here, this happened to me. This is how we're going to do it to you. And then you can do it to the guys that are coming in next year in a couple years. And you just pass it down. And some people will have that mentality. Well, like, hell, yeah, that pissed me off, and I hated it. I was so embarrassed. I'm doing that to you. Exactly. And then there's no stopping to it until somebody goes, man, this is this is wrong. How do we stop this? Yeah, and who are you supposed to tell? Because right. the head coach is the ringleader. And they're and, and I, you know, the head coach or whatever your position. I mean, they all knew. 
That's why it's like, it's got to be more than Pat Fitzgerald. It ought to be the whole damn staff. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, they all knew, bro. And when they talk about the, who was that one of the players said, yeah, Fitzgerald had a signal that he used. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then you have that whole thing where uh, they're telling, I mean, and, and this is why I've always been pro transfer portal. Because you had some other things coming out. And the coaches, not just Fitzgerald, almost every coach yeah. has done this over a period of time, which is, hey, Coach McLaren, I don't really like this thing. You know, what we're doing here, you know, it doesn't really. Well, you know what, son? You can check your scholarship. Yeah. Let's, let's see if you got a scholarship next year. And uh, by the way, I don't want you transferring to any other Power 5 school. Uh, so if there's, a, uh, if there's an FCS school you like, uh, tell me about it, and I'll make sure you get to there. But I'd like to play. No, nah, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't think you'll fit in any other program. Man, coach has been doing that for years. And now players can finally, they don't have to deal with it. They can go wherever they choose to go, whether it's a good decision or bad decision. They have that choice. Uh, there was one one person who said, uh, uh, they told the black players, you got to cut your dreads. I mean, you know, it's all that kind of stuff, man, to fit in with the Wildcat way. Yeah, I believe all of that. Yeah, man, like the the, sp- the spraying of them with the hoses. Like they would attach a hose to a, a thing in the shower or whatever and spray people. I mean, it's, it's what are you doing? <laughs> and, and that's where this is just on such a, a just dark level. I mean, honestly, man, whatever happened to, hey, this dude screwed up in the drill today, so now your entire unit has to run 30 stairs. Yeah, And you're all like, what the hell, man? Really? Like, I don't want to run. And you all have to be better. And then so you start to build each other up. Like, hey, man, let's get better. I don't want to run. That always motivated me. You didn't have to dry hump me naked. <laughs> you easily could have been like, hey, guys. I mean, we used to do that in basketball. You know, if you if you didn't hit like a certain number or whatever it was, 10 suicides or whatever, it'd be like what you had to run. And man, I'm telling you, when you're doing stuff like that, you talk about the last thing you want to do at the end of practice is run suicides. And I'm sorry if they don't call them that anymore. It's probably somebody's going to be like, you, they don't call them that anymore. Well, whatever they call them, that's what we called them when I was in high school. Right. So, man, it's, I don't know, this this whole thing. Like when I you read the details of this and it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. And uh, to me, the interesting thing is now because now – Pat Fitzgerald saying, hey, they fired me without due process and uh, they changed the rules and the, the uh, president acted unilaterally in doing it. And I've hired my attorneys, uh, you know, and so he'll end up getting paid probably uh, because uh, they probably didn't do go through due process because they because the president panicked because the backlash was so was so uh, fierce. So um, but, you know, it's uh, he'll be on as somebody's assistant coach in a couple of years. Or maybe just next year. Yeah. And he's got enough friends in the business who don't believe any of this happened. And you can work him in as an assistant and keep it moving. Yeah. And we'll see because, I mean, reality of it is if this is true and hazing, they can flat out prove that this happened. Then hazing is a criminal offense in the state of Illinois. Oh, wow. Now, it's a class A misdemeanor. So if they can prove this, then... And again, who knows, because they didn't release everything that they found in their little report that they did because of confidentiality. Probably they promised sources or whatnot. 
But that report, they found stuff. I mean, the, the individual report says they found some things. So something was going on up there. I don't think we there's know, any doubt yeah. about that. It'll be interesting because Pat Fitzgerald knows what the deal is. Yeah. He doesn't want to sit up there and have to testify under oath about this, that, or the other thing. Um, so they'll reach some settlement at some point because university doesn't want all their dirty business out there and continue to take hit after hit after hit from a reputation standpoint. So we will move forward and get into something perhaps more fun, a, a more lighthearted conversation, and maybe not at all. Who knows? We'll see. But we do need to tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. Our guys over there, JR and his crew, man, you, we all need oil changes. At some point, you got to do the beating of getting a new set of tires. Your cars need maintenance. Sometimes it's a little bit more extreme. Sometimes it's the easy, common, every couple of months stuff. No matter what it is, though, you want to go a place where when you drop it off, you have that peace of mind that you're not getting screwed, that you're getting a fair price, that the work being done you can trust. We found that shop for you. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, it's, um, it's the best. And I say that because most of us don't know that much about cars. And so you're relying on somebody that you can trust to take care of your car needs. And uh, JR and Freeway Tire does, does that for you, man. Um, one, you can trust them to uh, diagnose what's wrong with your car. You can trust them to use quality parts to fix your car, which is a big deal to me. And then, man, you can trust them to charge you a fair price. You trust them to stand behind their work. They do it every single time. I was just over there getting some inspections last week. Um, but here's the thing. If your mechanic isn't doing all of those things, then you need to change mechanics. You need to go to Freeway Tire. You need to go right up 35 toward Denton, get off at Commonwealth, go through the light, look to the right. It literally takes up the block. You cannot miss it. And then roll in and tell JR or anybody there, hey, we're one of the Jam fans. Take care of us. Here's what I need. And they'll take care of it. You'll be happy with uh, the work done. We've never sent anybody there and got a response that it was anything other than fantastic. And that's because Freeway Tire is the best place to go to get your car fixed. Seems pretty awesome to me, man. It's the easy way to do it. It's right there, just north of downtown Dallas. It's Freeway Tire Shop. And, and we've talked about this before. If you're going to do that and you're able to do that during the week or maybe on a Saturday during the day, drop it off. Jump in an Uber or a Lyft and swing around the corner to Smokey John's Barbecue. You can knock out whatever you've got going on with your vehicle, oil chain, whatever you need. And at the same time, you get to go over and try the jam session bowl that Smokey John's created just for all of the jam fans to check out. Dude, now think about Smokey John's. They're one of the best restaurants in Dallas, barbecue spots, soul food cooking. It's fantastic. But this jam session bowl is something out of this world. Now, let me tell you all about it in case you're one of those few who haven't heard about it. It's got a macaroni and cheese or mashed potato base. Then you get to pick two out of five smoked meats, whatever your favorites are, chicken, brisket, ribs, you know, whatever. Um, and then, and here's where the, where the genius comes in. Then they put all the stuff you find on the loaded baked potato, you know, mm-hmm. bacon, bits, sour cream, cheese, butter, all that good stuff, chives. And then they either drizzle it with sauce, or if you like Matt, they drench it with sauce. And then it's, it's to live for, man. It's enough for two. If you got a little shorty, six or seven, three of y'all can eat off of it. One person, now if you're a big fella, you can take care of it. But most of us, man, it's good for leftovers. It's just one. It's fantastic. It's a jam session bowl. It's on the secret menu. So it ain't on the menu. You got to remember it. Then you got to ask for it. It's delicious. You will love it. And if you haven't tried it yet, 
I'm telling you, man, it's so because they're so close together. Freeway tire shops like maybe five minutes, probably less than that from Smokey John's barbecue. So knock them both out at the same time. But either way, find your way to Smokey John's barbecue and enjoy what those guys are doing because it is fantastic and you will love it. But let's open up this trip around the block. Speaking of food, because we'll do a couple of cool stories before we get back into a serious conversation again. But have you ever heard of Voodoo Donuts? No. So originally, they started in Portland. And they have been around for 20 years out of the Portland area. They have been named as one of the 10 best donut shops in the country multiple times. Well, Voodoo Donuts, who already has a location in Austin, Houston, and San Antonio, is now opening one in Dallas. It will open, I believe, this week over there on Lower Greenville. And they will have their bacon maple bars, peanut butter and jelly donuts, glazed old fashions and sprinkle cake donuts. And what's nuts about this, Voodoo is famous because not only are the donuts supposed to be crazy good... They offer more than 50 different donut varieties, including 25 that are completely vegan. Really? Yes. Interesting. Well, you know, they sound like I saw something about that just today. And I was like, oh, my first thought, this sounded like our friend Momo's up in Sherman. And, uh, you know, used to drop some donuts off. And Matt was like, these are so incredibly rich. I can only take two bites at the most. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's just they're they're just so over the top. I just can't even handle it. And uh, you're right. Uh, but uh, you know, if you have a rare treat, to me, there's nothing better than a donut, bro. Man, I haven't had one. You know what? When's the last time you had a donut? Oh God, it's been. I haven't had a donut in at least two years. I know that because I haven't had them since I've moved here. So. I probably am not far behind you. I'm pretty sure the last time I had a donut, uh, dog, I can't even remember. It's probably one of Momo's. Uh, but I can't really remember the last time I had one. So it's probably been two, three years. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, man, because I'm not, like if I'm going to eat something like that, I would do it like maybe like you were just talking about like a bite. So the last time it would have been, would be when I was living over in Irving before we moved here, Maddox, you know, I would take him every once in a blue moon as a treat to get donuts because little kids love that stuff and why not? It's fun. So there's a donut store not too far from where we lived and I'd go by and he'd get whatever he wanted and then I would just take a bite of like one of his donuts and be like, I'm good. Right. But Uh, I mean, I haven't eaten an entire whole donut. I don't even know when the last time that would be. No, I'm sure... It's probably two or three years. Last time I had one, if it wasn't Momo's, it would have been an apple fritter from somewhere because that's my go-to when I had a donut. So, But it's been so long. So, I mean, I like them, but it's hard for me to always justify them. (laughs) Yeah, and especially (laughs) now, just like the way that I eat breakfast, I I just, and generally you're eating donuts in the morning and I'm not looking to eat that type of thing ever in the morning. So... I'm totally like, I'm fine in my life if I never have a donut again. I, I, and I don't care if people want to eat them. Like, I always tell people go, Oh, I would never eat like that. I'm like, Okay, well, don't. I don't care. I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> you know, I'll even go with you. I will, I'll go to the donut store with you and watch you eat donuts. I don't, that's fine. And you can tell me these are amazing. I'm like, I bet they are good. I'm glad you're happy. 
Yeah, no, nah, there. I mean, I got I got love for donuts, man. As a former fat guy, I just don't have uh, I don't have a desire for them. So maybe uh, and whenever desire pops up, maybe I'll go have one one day. But I haven't thought about a donut in a long time until you mentioned the voodoo donuts. Yeah, but if you are a donut fan, and look, everybody likes. But see, donuts. I would like to go check them out now because yeah. they they intrigue me. I'm sure that they have some crazy wild i mean if you're talking 50 different over 50 different varieties of donut there's got to be something insane in there well like i said i I like apple fritters and then i liked once i momo turned me on to i'm sure they existed before then but i didn't know about them until then that that whole maple bacon donut thing i'm I'm down with that well they got a bunch of them man so the other thing and everybody's familiar with velvet taco there's yeah. a bunch of them now around Dallas. There used and, to be one or two. Now they're like everywhere. Yeah, there used to just be that one that was over there off 75 and whatever that was, Knox, I guess. But Yes, sir. So they do a weekly taco feature. And apparently this will be available starting on Wednesday, running for about 10 days for their weekly taco feature at all Velvet Taco locations except for the college locations in Norman College Station in Lubbock. It is a chat GPT taco is the name of it. It is a legitimately AI generated taco that they use chat GPT for to create. It features flank steak, blackened shrimp, red chili, aioli, chimichurri sauce, crispy potatoes, grilled onions, queso fresco, jalapenos, and cilantro, all in a corn tortilla. Say that one more time. That's a lot going on. Flank steak, blackened yeah. shrimp, red chile aioli, chimichurri, crispy potatoes, grilled onions, queso fresco, jalapenos, and cilantros. Which is interesting because, like, I read this and I was like, I mean, that seems like a, a normal-ass taco, but ChatGPT created it because I guess what they did is the chef who comes up with their taco menu just inserted like all the ingredients that they have available and that's what the chat gpt came up with for a taco all right that sounds uh, that makes sense to me i can see how that went down so everything but the crispy potato sounds good to me yeah and, and so the chef says we felt comfortable using ai to build out a taco that was based on ingredients we created recipes for some of the combinations were way out there but this could help a chef who may be in a creative slump But they said it'll never replace chefs because AI doesn't have the ability to taste food, which makes sense. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense. Like, okay, I I could see that you're stuck in a rut. Like, man, I I, I need to come up with something new and creative again this week. I can't think of something right now. I've got all this stuff going on. Next thing you know, hey, okay, yeah, we got that stuff. That works. Let's do it. And you would know immediately, okay, that actually does taste good together. Or maybe ah, we can't put that sauce with this meat or whatever. Right, right, right. So I don't know, man. That's, uh, but that's kind of cool that they do a weekly taco feature and they've got a bunch coming up and they all, I mean, they're all completely different as you might imagine. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of theirs, although they're, they're, they're probably to the point now where because they become a bigger chain. Yeah. I have to leave them and go back to my hole-in-wall spots. Yeah, you do, because they've been around for over 10 years now. And yes, they are technically a local Dallas restaurant. They now have more than 40 locations. and Oh, they can, got that many? You can find them in six different states. Oh, well, I love y'all, but I'm out. Yes, because they're all over Texas now. They're also in Georgia, 
North Carolina, Illinois, Florida, and Oklahoma. Jeez, I had no idea they were booming like that. Yeah, I mean, so. I ain't mad at them, but I like uh, I like local hole in walls. Yeah, I, I tend to go that route as well. But hey, you, great to see that type of success for a place. It's like Fuzzies. Oh, Fuzzies yeah. is all over the place, and it started in Fort Worth, right there across the street from TCU. Dude, I knew Fuzzies had blown up when they had two about two miles from each other in Desoto. Yeah, which is so insane. And I was just like, wow. And I like fuzzies, but, and again. I'm kind of meh on fuzzies. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't put it up there. It's not, I I can name five. Yeah, I like torchies better than fuzzies. See, and torchies is another one that's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, torchies is in Louisiana now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the thing is everybody wants Texas tacos. Texas taco is fantastic. Well, you know, the thing of it is. I haven't had one in a long time. I've talked about this with beer before, and I think we're getting to that point with some of these restaurants, like tacos is a great example. When you go to the hole in the wall and you feel like it's kind of a secret and you know that's the only place you can get that, then the I, I feel like mentally, somehow it's better than, oh yeah, but I can go to Fuzzy's anytime I want. And if Fuzzy's had never expanded and was still just that hole in the wall in Fort Worth, We'd all be like, dude, there is a taco place in Fort Worth that you have got to go to. But now that you can go to it everywhere and it's readily available, I think some of that with food, because I feel that way with beer, the readily available stuff, like if you blind tasted it side by side, you might still go, holy crap, this is really good. What is this? And like, it's fuzzy. He's like, really? Wow. I don't know. There's something to that, though. I feel you. The chase is part of it, I think. Hell yeah. So the other thing that is making its way to DFW, and I swear that you've been to one of these before, but opening up in Grapevine Mills this weekend is a Meow Wolf. What the hell is that? Meow Wolf is that fully submersive thing. They had. I know they have one in Vegas. It's Meow Wolf's The Real Unreal which has been created. It's an art exhibition that's a fully submersive, immersive art exhibition created by more than 40 Texas artists, including it's a neon kingdom, Tim Burton-esque heads mounted across the walls, a massive 16-foot blob of sparkling colors dripping, dripping on the floor, all sorts of stuff. And you kind of go in there and it's like you are completely surrounded and immersed in whatever it is that you see it's kind of hard to describe but it's coming to grapevine mills yeah i'm trying to figure out what is it it's that mall that's like that giant ass mall grapevine mills is yeah i'm still trying to figure out this meow wolf i don't really know how to describe it i mean it's been in a variety of different places and they've done different immersions but it's a super exploratory type thing it, it, it doesn't say it's it's real linear like you can discover it in in whatever way you kind of want to go through it oh okay but it's really interesting i mean it, and they've got all kinds of just different things oh, it's it's hard to describe man i don't really know how to describe it i mean it, it, it's right. just like you scroll through and you see all this weird crap and it's just i i don't know <laughs> So it's coming to Grapevine Mills, eh? Yes, and and yeah, that's why I thought there's one in Las Vegas. I swear that you talked about going to one in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. Because uh, there's one in Denver, there's one in Santa Fe, 
There's one in Las Vegas, and they're about to open another permanent location in Houston next year. Oh, wow. Oh, you know what? I'm looking it up now. Yes, I did this. That's what I thought. It was called Mega Mart. Okay, yeah, it was a different thing, but that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, it's a bunch of entryways. It was kind of wild because it looks like a grocery store when you walk in it. But it's it's got, I would call it, uh, it's got a bunch of speakeasy effect to it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of describing it, yes. Yeah, but it's really like a, it's, it's kind of like a labyrinth and it's kind of like a puzzle because you can solve, solve it. Uh, yeah, if you get in at a certain point, it's like you're in, entering a mystery thing and you're trying to figure it out. So it was, it was all kind of weird, but you can spend hours there. I think I spent about three there. But there are some people who spent eight or nine hours there. I mean, that is just. Because it's that immersive. It's how deep you want to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and I guess that's where it is, is in something like that, you wouldn't realize how much time has gone by. Unless you're just constantly looking at your watch or whatever. Uh, not if you're really engaged. Because yeah. it can be very interesting. Yeah, because you wouldn't really have an idea. You'd be like, man, I feel like we've been in here for, but there's always something to look at and there's always more to look at and you see all these things. Next thing you know, you spent three hours in there. Hell yeah. Which is wild. But yeah, it's coming, starts this weekend. If you want to go check out (laughs) a crazy ass immersive art exhibit, taking up a large chunk of Grapevine Mills Mall, you can make that happen. Hmm. So the other thing to dive into here is something I know is is very close to you, and that is the news that came out. And I got to say, like when I first saw this, because the first person I saw tweet about it, now that they've eliminated all the blue check marks on Twitter, I thought, oh, okay, well, obviously that's not real, but it 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 very much is real, and that is the New York Times, one of if not the most prominent reporting paper in the country is eliminating their sports department. Which when you just read it like that, it, it's how can a paper of that level eliminate their sports department? But that's what you they're know? doing. And part of this is the tie in because they bought the athletic. Right. And part of this is cutting its national sports desk and will instead use content from the subscription site, The Athletic, which they acquired a couple of years ago for over $500 million. What's wild about this is the current New York Times sports staffers will move to other desks in the newsroom and will prioritize general interest in investigative sports journalism, exploring the business culture and power structures of sports. Yes, uh, I was reading something somewhere that, uh, you know, the goal is to get rid of those people and then you let the athletic basically serve as the New York Times sports department and then you can cherry pick who you want from that and get rid of those. And this, you know, never ending cost cutting, uh, you know, approach to uh, newspapers to make money and make them more profitable and and all that Uh, for me personally. Uh, and I put a, I put a, for me, a lengthy post out on it on Twitter yesterday, yeah. which is, uh, you know, I spent uh, the summer of 89 um, working at the New York Times, and it's probably one of my best summers as a kid, because you've, okay, you got to put this in perspective, Matt. So, the, uh, and I was in the era, 
thankfully, that we had paid internships. But because the New York Times was a union, uh, my internship paid $500 a month, I think. No, $500 a week, I think, which was a lot of money uh, in 1989. Yeah. Plus, because you were not a union employee, two things happened. One, they didn't put your name on any stories because you weren't a union employee, so you couldn't be in the New York Times. Couldn't have your byline. But because you weren't a union employee, they also paid you per story. So I was making $500 a week, and I was probably writing four or five stories a week, and I was getting paid anywhere between like 100 to $250 a story based on how long it was. Yeah. Um, and so basically I was, tw- what, 22 years old in New York for a summer with more money than I knew what to do with. <laughs> and that's the way to live New York, man. And uh, not only that, I met people like uh, Jeremy Schapp, uh, who's been a big deal at ESPN for a long time, and Ian O'Connor, who's a big deal as a columnist in New York, and guys like Rob Parker, who uh, does the FS1 show, and just a bunch of people, man, who, uh, who I still keep in touch with and uh, you know, friends of mine for a long time and really shaped a lot of my journalism. Uh, and so for me, the New York Times was really a goal for about my first, um, until I really got established in Dallas, my goal was to go to the Times. In fact, I think it was uh, sometime around, uh, I'm trying to think, because this, this, this really happened, man. Sometime around 96, maybe, I'm trying to think, it's obviously a long time ago. 97. Anyway, uh, I get a call to come into the office from the morning news, sports editor, Dave Smith. Like, and here's the thing. You don't want Dave Smith calling you into the office. Like, what have I done? What is a crime I've committed? Uh, And so he calls you in and I'm literally thinking all the way downtown because, you know, he was so big. His secretary would say, hey, Jacques, Dave wants to see you today at, you know, one o'clock. I was like, Jesus, what have I done? And I really replanned it in my mind the entire time, all the way down there. And I just come to the conclusion, like, I really, I can't think of any crime I've committed. And so I walk in there, and uh, Dave was a former Marine, very intimidating guy. And uh, he gets, and this was right after the, the Super Bowl, uh, where I had gone to cover it for the morning news. And I walk in, and he's talking, and I'm still trying to figure out, like, where is this going? He says... He gives a little bit of small talk. He says, okay, I'm going to be blunt with you. Uh, I was talking to Randy Galloway, and he said at the Super Bowl, you spent quite a bit of time talking to those people from New York Times because he was friends with the editors there. And I was too. Why? Because I had just been an intern there three or four or five years ago, so I knew all those guys. Uh, So here's what I'm going to do. I don't want you going to New York. I'm giving you a 7% raise, and uh, it's effective immediately, and uh, we love what you're doing on the Cowboys, and I just wanted to tell you that. I don't want you going there. I don't want you thinking about it. Uh, so we're going to take care of you here. We think your future's very bright. You got any questions? Uh, no, sir. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, and <laughs> I, goodbye. I bet. <laughs> As I called Galloway, I said, dude, what are you doing? He said, it worked, didn't it, Taylor? <laughs> I thought you deserved a raise. You've been busting your ass. Awesome. And I was like, Gallo, I appreciate you, man. I love you. So that was Randy Galloway getting me some money. Well, that's fantastic, man. <laughs> that's awesome. 
Yeah, so that was uh but that's but uh, I really wanted to be at the New York Times for a long time. Yeah. Man, because like I said, um it was a great section to work for because uh, they re- at that point they really let you do your thing. Whatever that was and it was I mean you know, it was the mecca right then. If Dallas and Dallas was great too, I just was like, man, it was like anything. If you get a chance to go to New York and cover it and work for the Times, sure, doesn't really get much better than that for sports journalism. And now here it is; they only have a sports section. Yeah, and that that's on the heels, and I can't remember which one was first, but the Los Angeles LA Times, Times was first. The L.A. Times over the weekend announced that it will no longer carry game coverage, box scores, or listing. In its print newspaper, the paper's news sports section will have a magazine-style format with in-depth profiles, investigations, analysis, and opinion columns. They will continue to provide local game results, breaking news, analysis, and all that on their app and the website. I got to tell you, like, I understand that this is the death of, of the actual physical I'm holding in my hand, a newspaper, but reality of it is... And I know my mom and dad get the paper and I get it. But for any generation below that, if you're the new, the Los Angeles Times, whatever paper, by the time you put out a box score and I get the paper the next morning, I've already read all about the game because I got it probably the night before on my phone, on my computer, on whatever, if I really care about it. All right, here's the tricky part. And this is always very interesting to me. And I talked about it a little bit on Twitter yesterday because uh, – the game story, and most of y'all know by now that I teach a class on sports journalism at SMU. Um, and so as I tell my students, the game story is important because it provides a historical record of an event. All right. I mean, no different than if you were if you were chronicling the inauguration. Yeah. What is why we do that? It's just a historical chronicle of what the new president said on the day of the inauguration, the day he took over office. So it's a historical record. So, and I used this example yesterday. I said, so that 100 years from now, somebody can look at the game stories and figure out why it's been 127 years since the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, um, so game stories have a function in terms of providing a historical record of event that occurred and took place. Um, that being said, everything Matt said is true, which is why the game story has changed. It's no longer a blow by blow of here's what's happened. It's now an analysis of here's why the Cowboys won or here's why they lost or here's why Dak played good or here's why Dak played poorly. Um, and so I get that. And uh, this has already kind of happened. Like when I was covering Jackson State, um, doing a lot of work for, for Anscape. Uh, which used to be the undefeated, uh, you know, obviously they play on Saturday. Well, they would say by the time the game is over and with the internet traffic we have, nobody's going to look at this story Saturday night. Right. Uh, they're not going to look at it Sunday. So take your time, do what you want to do, have this story to me, you know, somewhere around noon on Sunday, and then we'll put it up first thing Monday morning when people get back on the internet because they're back at work and they're trying to figure out, oh, yeah, Jack State played this weekend. Let me see how they did and why they won. And so, you know, I, I could see, I see that time where, where you know, game stories uh, are pushed back a day, you know, and uh, which is, you know, kind of similar to how it used to be way back in the day when uh, you had afternoon papers 
and everybody already knew the score by the time the afternoon paper came out. So you had to write a different type of story to appeal to your audience. Yeah. And, and reality of it is, I mean, I subscribe to the sports part of the Dallas Morning News online and I read it all the time, but I, I, I read the stories online. Right. Because again, online, you get immediately, you get it right then. I subscribe to The Athletic and I read their stories all the time. And, and I'm a big fan of The Athletic because one of the things that I like about paying for stuff is there's less videos. The Athletic has no videos. They don't, right. I don't have to scroll past a gazillion ads to read it. I don't mind at all paying for the type of content that I want. And so I, I think it's interesting. Some people that, you know, get so irritated. You see Evan tweet about this a lot with his Ranger stuff. They're like, oh, I wish I could read it, but it's behind a paywall. I'm like, kind of like if you ordered the damn paper to your house to read the story. <laughs> They're not giving it to you for free, even in a newspaper. Like, it, I, I've always thought that's so strange that people just expect because it's online, I should be able to access it for free. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that important to you. Right, and if it is, like to me, okay, so you want somebody who is being paid to go out and, and get, gather this information for you and then present it to you, but you don't want to pay the small fee that it costs to pay that person and keep those things going. Well, the other thing you're saying is really what you're saying is, but I like the Dallas Morning News. I like the Fort Worth Star Telegram. I like the New York Times. I like the Wall Street Journal. I like Time Magazine. I like Sports Illustrated. I don't want to have to pay for all of those different subscriptions, bro. I, you know, cut me a break. I mean, that's really what you're saying. But what do we talk about when it comes to streaming all the time? Which is, you just got to make some choices. Yeah. Do I, do I want HBO Max or do I want Showtime? Or if I want those two, or would I rather not have those two, but I'm going to get Netflix and then I'm going to get, you know, MGM and, you know, Paramount. I mean, it's just, there's a, there's literally a zillion stations you can stream. And that's just about making choices. Like, what's what do I like most? Or, oh, this show is coming on for the next two months. Okay, I'm going to get stars for the next two months. And when that show is done running, I'll get rid of stars and I'll put something else in that $10 slot. Yeah. And I guess for me, I mean, there's certain things that, okay, I really want to be able to read and enjoy. But like you said, right. I don't subscribe to the New York Times because, yes, they have some stories that every once in a while I want to read. One thing that they do, I think most of the papers online are doing this where you get like five free articles or whatever. And there are right. some months where I'm like, dang, I already went through my five free articles in the New York Times. But it's just not because I'm not a newsy person. I'm a sports news right. person. Right. So I don't really subscribe to anything newsy. But I do subscribe to a few things sports wise because, I mean, obviously, that's my job. I, I read as much as I can in, in that realm. But it's going to be interesting to see where this all goes and what the end result is, because it does seem like more so now that the idea of more editorial almost and, and this is where it gets weird because it feels like people want opinion more than they do fact-based hardcore journalism well you know we spend a lot of time talking about this in my class and this is the best way for me to explain it um there's a difference between analysis and opinion and most people have a very hard time differentiating between the two Opinion is the Cowboys suck. All right. Mm. That's my opinion. That's what I wrote. Analysis is 
the Cowboys suck because they rank 25th in the league in, in run defense and their offense is averaging 12 points a game. That's analysis, which is I gave you an opinion, but I followed it up with facts uh, to substantiate my opinion. An opinion piece, which column is right, I just said it's blue and damn it, that's what I believe and I didn't use because I said so. And that's the difference. And uh, analysis is fine for most of journalism, except for the people who are who are paid to give you their opinion. The difference is most people don't know the difference between what I just said. And so you end up with opinion instead of analysis. Right. And that's where it, it becomes more so once that happens, then if you go back to the analysis, people are like, oh, I wanted I didn't want to read that. Right. Because for I mean, so that's long what you get with so yeah. much of political writing. It's yeah, yeah, very much. So. And it's not analysis. And people differentiate between the two. And they can't differentiate between the two, and so they get frustrated. But we'll see because it's – and it ha- it has been changing. I mean, none of this is, like, stunningly new news. I just – when the New York Times, the headline was stunning. And then when you dove down into it a little bit, I said, unfortunately, in, in the world in which we're in now, that actually makes sense what they're doing because they're not completely getting rid of sports. They're still doing local sports from what I understand. Yeah, they got rid of the uh, – in L.A., the, the guy who owned the paper sold the printing presses. <laughs> Which is why they had to go to these three o'clock deadlines. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, you know, Ed Werder said he was going on Twitter yesterday, said he was going to speak to some journalists at TCU. And he was like, I don't have any idea what to tell them. And I was basically like, you should tell them what I tell young journalists, which is uh, there's always a market for storytellers. There's always a market for people who break news. You just have to do it differently these days. Um, but if you think about it, especially for storytellers, almost every Fortune 500 company has what? Its own production team. What are they doing? They're pumping out their own content about their company. They're yeah. telling their own yeah. company stories. And so, yeah, you can get with that. Uh, but I tell you, on journalists, the best thing you can do is, uh, it's really funny how the business has evolved. The best thing you can do is learn to do it all. Learn to speak so that you can uh, do a radio show or you can do a podcast uh, and understand how to successfully do those in terms of creating a run sheet and and topics and how you go through topics and stuff. Uh, Have a TV presence and awareness. Understand how to shoot TV with a camera so that you can go create your own content by shooting subjects that you want to interview and then be able to write. Um, And the difference in the business is when I was in college, now, granted, that was 30 years ago, but dude, they looked at you crazy if you said, I want to do all three. They literally made you choose. You want to do radio, you want to do TV, you want to do print. You can't do all three. People don't mix them up. Pick one and uh, do it. And now, if you can't do all three, you have no shot. You got to be well-rounded, man. Hell yeah. Because if you're the person that can step up when somebody else goes, oh, I don't know how to do that, then you're ahead. Reality. Exactly. So one more thing I wanted to throw out for you, but before we get into that, let's tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions because, man, in the Texas summer with the heat, it plays just bonkers with the soil in Texas, as we all know. That's where HFX comes in, and they do it all. They are a full-service foundation repair company. They service the entire DFW area. They also, because people don't think about this, like drainage and gutter installations and stuff like that, all that water affects the soil around your house. If you're not properly taking care of that, 
that can screw up your foundation. And they do all that. So if you don't have gutters, you need to get them. Otherwise, if you have them and you start seeing some cracks and some sticking doors and things of that nature that you didn't notice before, those are all signs that maybe you do have a foundation issue. And with that, the earlier you catch it, you're talking about saving thousands of dollars down the road if you don't do something about it immediately. No, I mean, that's that's why we say the, the main thing you want to do is give them a call. Aaron and his team, 817-770-0174. Say, hey, give me that colonoscopy for the crib. And they'll start laughing, but they know exactly what you're talking about, which is, hey, come check out all the places where I can't see and make sure my crib is okay. Because nothing, nothing, nothing wrecks the value of your home quicker than saying, hey, I had some foundation issues. And we don't want that to happen to you. So give Aaron and his team a call, 817-770-0174. Have them come over, take a look, and make sure that your crib is perfect so you had the peace of mind that nothing's going on that you don't know about. That's exactly right, man. 817-770-0174. A free, no obligation inspection. Or you can check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, the podcast made possible by Flow Air Heating and Air. It's hot. It is really, really hot. Your AC is working like crazy to keep you cool. Whenever you run into those AC problems, maybe it's a repair you need a new system, attic insulation, all these things that help your AC unit work better in the hot summer months. That's where you need flow air, heating and air. And the cool thing is you can text them, you can call them, and it doesn't matter what time of the day or what day because they are 24-7 and they do emergency service. Bro, that's the best thing to me, 24-7. Weekends, holidays, they don't take a break off. If you need them, they're there for you. They're a local company based out of Burleson, but they'll come wherever you are whenever you need them. Pick up the phone. And I like the fact you can text them, bro. Calling is okay, but you still got to do a little rimmer roll if you know what that is. Yeah. But texting, boom. Here's my question. Send me my answer back. I can keep it moving quick, fast, and in a hurry. Uh, but now's the time with your air conditioners working overhand. Give them a call. Let them do some preventative maintenance for you. Let them check it out. Make sure your system is up to snuff because still, man, we're just getting into the dog days of the summer. And you don't want to have to call them in off hours when you can call them and get your things done now preventative maintenance is the key no different than going to the doctor for your annual physical that's exactly right actually that's exactly why you do this <laughs> it's flow air heating and air you can call them you can text them you can take care of that right now at 817-808-4115 but real quick and i i wanted to throw this out there because it is amazon prime days we're recording this on Tuesday. It's Prime Day today. Wednesday's the Prime Day. It's apparently they do better deals on Amazon Prime Days than they do on Black Friday. That's what they say. But I, you know, I'm. This is just your boy here. I'm always suspicious of. Hey, here's a great sale day, because I always wonder if they've marked things up just a little bit, uh, just to uh, you know, to make up for for the business that they're doing. So. You know, if this thing used to cost a hundred dollars uh, a week before Prime Day, they mark it up to one twenty, and then they give you twenty percent off or ten percent off or whatever. So that's just my suspicious nature. I'm sorry, but that's my suspicious nature. So I poke around, but unless there's something really out there that I'm really in need of, I just kind of keep a wary eye. Well, a lot of it, from what I understand, is because I mean, think about the massive warehouses they have. And that this time of the year is when they start loading up for the 
like newer stuff or new models or whatever's coming in. And a lot of this is they got a clear warehouse space. Oh, okay. Because they've got new stuff that's coming in. And so they're trying to just blow through as much as they can to get ready for the back part of the year. And again, it just depends on what you're into. But see, I always go and I say, well, what do I, because I order stuff regularly on Amazon and it's just like household items and stuff. So I'll go and look up stuff that I've previously ordered or that I order a lot. And like some of the stuff, like the trash bags we get, I usually just order on Amazon and they're $10 cheaper right now than they were the last time I bought them. You know what? And I say, I'm going to give you some love for that. I just, let's see, as we go down this rabbit hole, I just started ordering bathroom tissue, toilet paper. Yeah, you can do that. On Amazon. And I, that's like, you know what? This is a, this is a better deal than, uh, you know, at the store. It is a lot of the time. I didn't, I didn't think about ordering uh, trash bags. And now you've got me thinking, let me see. Maybe I need to order Tide Pods on, on Amazon too. Yeah, man. There's, I mean, they've got everything on there. Sometimes, yes, it's cheaper to go to the store. But again, a lot of these, I'm like, man, I don't know when I'm going to run out. I'm just going to order this off Amazon. Like I order my coffee off Amazon. I order, I mean, I'm telling you, man, a lot of, I order a lot of like weird small stuff off Amazon just because they'll bring it to me. I can, a lot of the times, like if you order some of that in bulk, they'll drop it down so cheap that it's just like, man, do I want to spend $20 on toothpaste right now? No, but I'm going to use all of this at some point. It doesn't expire for a couple of years and this like drops the price per tube way down and they're bringing it to me. Exactly. Plus, if you're going to be a prime member, you might as well take advantage of the free shipping. Otherwise, why are you paying for prime? (laughs) You do make a good point. So you have that. Maybe you are, maybe you are. I can tell you this, like it's, it's like Black Friday. There's really good deals on electronics. I just saw... They have really good deals on some luggage where you can get it like 50 bucks cheaper than it normally is running, all that type of stuff. So they've got some good deals. You may just have to dig a little bit. But the first thing I did when I woke up this morning was scrolled through to see what the stuff that I order regularly, because another thing that I get are these electrolyte tablets that I drink one a day. Really? Yeah. Really? And they're half off right now of what they normally are. So I was like, holy crap, that's a great price. And what's crazy is they sell them at Whole Foods. They're way more expensive in store than they usually normally are on Amazon. And today they're half off what they normally are on Amazon. So I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm definitely ordering that. So you can find some good deals. There's just stuff out there for you like that. And then finally, by the time everybody listens to this, it will have taken place. But for us, the Rangers, the all-star game, they are going to have, everybody knows baseball. Your starting lineup is only nine guys. Okay. Five of them are Texas Rangers because there was an injury. I think it's Aaron judge or somebody else in the outfield that Adolis Garcia is replacing. That means the Rangers will have the starting catcher, third baseman, shortstop, second baseman, and right fielder in the all-star game. How cool is that? And to Dusty Baker's credit, because he could be like, they're a divisional rival. I don't give a crap. Manager of the Astros, he has kind of hinted that he will try to get Nathan Evaldi in the game while those five Rangers are playing so that the Rangers can have six of the positions on the field all at once. 
Now that's a good dude. That is awesome, man. And I'm going to watch tonight because of this, because I want to see how the Rangers do. So I'll be paying attention tonight. I'm excited to see the Rangers contingent. It's just such a bright future for this organization. They had the Major League Baseball draft the first round, and Wyatt Langford was a guy out of Florida that some thought might go number one overall. Everybody was saying no way he gets out of the top three, and the Rangers get him at four. And he is a legit, the dude can smash. And now he's not Dylan Cruz from LSU. Dylan Cruz is better defensively than he is. He's slightly better offensively than Cruz. Cruz probably has a little bit more of an upside, but you're talking about a guy who projects, much like when they drafted Josh Young a couple of years ago, this is a dude by 2025 that should be a part of this. And you've got Langford and you've got Evan Carter, who, oh, by the way, I believe Evan Carter now is the number five overall prospect in Major League Baseball. Whoa. I mean, he is a legit, they think this dude is going to turn into a stud. He'll be ready probably next year. And you're going to have two impactful outfielders with these guys that they have locked up. Multiple arms. I want to say, yeah, so the Rangers' top five prospects, every single one of them is listed in, I, I believe it's the top 80 Major League Baseball prospects. Really? Yes. Because Leiter is number five in the organization now. Yeah. I'm, you know, I haven't seen much from him, got to tell you. Well, he's he's working on it, and... We'll see how it goes, but the good news is when you look at it, and this is from, because they always do an updated prospects list like halfway through the season, basically. So like when you look at it, it's pretty wild to think of where the Rangers are and the guys that they have because if Jack Leiter, you go, man, really? So our top pitching prospect is just the fifth overall in the organization and is the lowest No, no, no. He's not the top pitching prospect. Owen White is now listed as the top pitching prospect, and Brock Porter is now ahead of Jack Leiter. And then you've got Acuna, who's the third overall prospect in the organization. Justin Foscue is number six. Both those dudes play middle infield. So they've got some pieces to move that other organizations are going to highly value at the trade deadline, whether it's this year or next year. They'll be able to move some prospects that are supposed to be pretty good. Be really curious to see what they're able to go after here in the next couple of weeks at the trade deadline. Yeah, because basically you're able to move those guys because they're blocked by Simeon right. and Seager. Yes, they're blocked by so. it, and anybody who plays third base, like Glider Figueroa, who's down there, is another guy in the organization who I think is like their seventh or eighth prospect. He plays third base. Josh Young is going to be here, barring injury, for a decade. Yeah. So that's kind of where this gets really interesting is the Rangers actually have, for the first time in a while, some high-level prospects that other organizations are going to value. And it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do and how they're able to move around some of those guys because they can do that and still keep Evan Carter, Owen White, Jack Leiter, I mean, Brock Porter. They can keep arms in in their, their top prospect and still move guys other organizations are going to want. No, that's why they got a chance, and you know they don't have to do it all this year. They can bide their time. They can make a, they can make some acquisitions this year, but they don't have to. Uh, they don't have to acquire guys who are going to be free agents at the end of the year for steep prices if they don't want to. Exactly. Uh, I think they're ahead of schedule, and so you want to improve the team and give yourself a shot, because as I well, as I like to say, uh, who scares you? I mean, Tampa Bay's damn good. Atlanta's damn good. Yes, but do they scare you? 
I mean, you already played them both this year. I don't think you you were wiped off the off the field with them. So, you know, they have a shot, but they got to shore up their pitching. They do because you got to figure out how to beat the Washington Nationals in a series. Yeah, and uh, you know, the bullpen has been struggling for a long time now. Um, I think they need another starter, uh, quality starter, not an end of the rotation guy. So those things are hard to acquire, but uh, they got a shot. So make it happen. And that, my friends, is our midweek podcast. So Jacques is going to be traveling on Thursday and Friday morning. So it doesn't look like there's going to be another podcast episode this week. We may see if there's some way to, to knock one out. But it, at this point, I would guess that there's probably not going to be one until next Monday. So just make note of that. No, most likely no podcast episode. So if you think you missed one, you probably did. If we can find a way to get one, we will. Everybody have a great weekend if we don't talk to you, and we will be back for you next week. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.